Hello and welcome back to Naturally Adventurous. This is Charlie Hesse with Ken Behrens. Hi, folks. And today we have a very special guest. He's a legendary figure from Colombian birding. He's one of the pioneering guides. He's a biologist, explorer, all-around nice guy. Welcome to the show, Diego Calderon. <laughs> Thank you very much, guys. I, I, I like the all-around, you know. Thank you very much for, uh, for the invitation. All-around nice guy. <laughs> there was one thing I wanted to just say, explain to you at the beginning. So we, we've never met, right? No, actually, no, but it feels like, to be honest. But it feels like it. But did you know for a while, I thought I had met you. Why? Who was, who was the imposter? <laughs> so, I birded with, uh, with, another, with many Colombians. I've, spent, you know, I've been to Colombia five times. I've met a lot of fantastic birders, guides, biologists. And I birded with a really nice guy called Diego Caranton. There you are. There you are. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> like early on when I started going, you know, guiding, because I went to Colombia um, birding before I was a guide and I started meeting clients and, you know, I, w I was in Colombia the first time in about 2006, which was pretty early days yeah. and there weren't a lot of people there. But in the after that, you know, it's just started to pick up and I would meet Americans and they would say, oh, I just went to Colombia with uh, Diego Calderon. Um, and I was, and they say, do, do you know Diego? And I was like, Diego, Diego. Yeah, yeah, I think I know Diego. Yeah, nice guy, nice guy. So I, for, for like a couple of years, I was convinced that I knew you. You're not, you're not the only one. It's, it's funny. I, I re really, I was, I was telling my clients this last week that I actually get like one or two emails every year that are, you know, headed right. for Diego Caranton. And Diego receives, Caraton. yeah, he receives emails that are for me. So, I mean, it's good that we are friends, that we, we, we have no secrets kind of yeah. thing because we have to forward these messages saying like, wrong Diego, speak to the right guy. Here is no, wrong Diego. On the message. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> switch up, switch up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, but both Diego's are, are great, great guys, good birders. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, but oh, yeah, hopefully one day we'll meet up. We've, we've corresponded some you know over over quite a while and you know uh, we've uh, we've been watching your show the birders show which is just fantastic on youtube so cool Thanks. i definitely recommend people that's no, great check that out i know you've uh, you've been commenting on our podcast as well so that's really nice thanks for listening i'm very impressed by the production values on your show diego it's it's very very slickly produced so it's it. very professional and it's uh very good yeah, yeah. It's, it's just, and uh, i think it's got better as well i think over the episodes that you've done i was just watching the last one and i was thinking wow <laughs> this is actually really good we've been having fun yeah. we've been having fun shooting you know the birder show yeah, it's having out. fun but you know the production quality and the, all the you know the stuff you show the footage of the birds and you guys are just really good on camera as well. So, uh, no, we're, we're big fans. We still need a little beeping for my swearing, but I, I tell you, it's, it's been, <laughs> I, I, guess, I guess the results on quality also, you know, show up every, every episode because we really, you know, have a talented crew of people behind the production. And it's, a, yeah, it's the same team with the Birders, the big documentary with, with them, We're Next. Uh, and and ah. we are all having fun. So even the, you know, the cameramen and the producers, they are now birders. So that really changes the things. Right. They, they really into like, yeah, let's go cool. and find the things, you know. <laughs> That's fantastic. I, uh, and, you know, and I, and I actually, you know, in, from, from my side, I have to say that your podcast, guys, has been, has been kind of a gift because I've never been a podcast listener at all. And, and then I gave it a try probably once and it, it happened to me that I had to drive to the coast to visit my sister and I had to take the long route yeah. because of a landslide, you know, welcome to Colombia. And then yeah. I was driving, driving a car for probably 12 hours and I downloaded plenty of your, of your first episodes and I listened to you guys like for nonstop six, seven hours and, <laughs> and I really enjoyed it and I really enjoyed it. I, I, <laughs> I felt that, you know, you do a great job on, on just showing what we are, you know, what we enjoy, people that, you know, we are either guides or naturalists or wildlife enthusiasts and, and go chasing things and, and showing them to people. And, and I, I felt totally, totally, you know, represented. So, so I've, been, I've been a fan. I've been a fan 
probably I, I've been actually exploring more podcasts after that and, and I have to blame you on that. That's a nice compliment. Yeah, thank you. So today we're going to be listening to some of your adventure stories from your, you know, over 20 years you've been you've been guiding and birding and exploring, right? Yeah, 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 indeed. It started, uh, they started early, like many, many of our, you know, of our colleagues that they started when they were kids. But I started when I was 20. I was starting to do undergrad in biology. I had, you know, tried another couple of different undergrads and started biology a little late. But birds, yeah, birds came to me with the academia basically in 2000. And yeah, it's been 20, 22 years of jumping and goofing around with, wow. with birds, searching for birds and <laughs> exploring this country that is, you know, a box, a box of surprises, as, as we're going to see, you know. It's an incredible country. It's still one of my favorite countries to visit and for birding. We need, we need Ken, we need Ken coming to Colombia because, you know, you, you've, been, you've been quite several all over places in Colombia, Charlie, and of course I've done it. But Ken, Ken is still lacking the, the neotropical, you know, uh, realm of, of, of Colombia that, you know, sums, sums up several neotropical oh. countries, basically. I know you were planning a trip, hey, Ken? I'm desperate, desperate to get to uh, Colombia. Yeah. Yep, pandemic put the kibosh on a trip up to Santa Marta and uh, northern Colombia. That was uh, one of many heartbreaks. Can't yeah. wait to get there. <laughs> anyway, so we're going to listen to a few of your um, adventure stories over the years. just wanted to mention it briefly, but um, there's a wonderful thing on YouTube. If you, if you sort of put in uh, birdwatching with fuck, there's a, is it about 15 or 20 minutes long? A Nat Geo short film about the time that Diego was captured by the fuck and it is extremely moving i mean in general i don't tend to watch things on youtube more than once but i i must admit i've watched it um three or four times now and it's an extremely moving thing about your time there and you actually were captured for 88 days so you know, close on three months indeed, indeed. Um, by the fuck rebels yeah yeah indeed indeed and just you going back there and meeting them and and it was like a rec reconciliation really yeah, I could see the sort of tension when you were speaking to them. You know, there was a little in that scene at the beginning where you're you're kind of eating and chatting with this, <laughs> yeah. this other guy. Was there Felix yeah. Arango? I I was I was tense. You know, I was feeling some pent up anger, and you were asking how those guys were feeling and why they did it, and 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 everything. And and then just in the end, watching you guys birding together and teaching them something new, and that lady as well. She was so yeah. Absolutely. She was so into it and excited to look through binoculars. And it was just a real, just amazing story, really. It's kind of a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a unique chance we had to, to produce this little, you know, documentary for National Geographic because we actually did it in Spanish. It has subtitles in English because we mm. did it for Colombians, especially. We did it to, right. um, you know, to get people a little bit out of their comfort zones and out of their bubbles and really making them feel and, and, uh -huh. and realize that there are different ways to embrace these new times in Colombia. You know, we, we're a country that are living a totally new life, new days after 50, 60 years of internal conflict. And now we signed the peace deal yep. with these guerrillas, with the FARC. And, and you know, going there, it, it, was, it was amazing. And, you know, it's funny because you said that there is a little bit of tension, especially in the documentary at the beginning with this guy, Felix. Mm. But I would say, yeah. and this is just, you know, the perks of, of shooting and, 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 and translating things for other people, you know, for hundreds of thousands of viewers. Yeah. But Felix, Felix is a sweet chap. It's just that we personally didn't click a lot like I clicked with, you know, Ceci, the girl that you mentioned, and some other yeah, guys. The girl. Uh -huh. So, so it's, it's actually interesting because the documentary probably gives you a little bit of that feeling of, okay, this is starting to get softer and these people is... Uh, meeting, you know, uh, after 15 years when some of these guys kidnapped this other guy and blah, blah, blah. But all in all, I have to say that I, I have met really sweet, nice people that, you know, were part of the FARC one day and now they gave up the arms uh, and they're having a new life. And of course, if this new life involves birds, tourism, nature, we are there to give them a hand and to learn and to teach them a little bit. So it's been it's been an amazing ride. It's been an amazing ride. And I think... It really shows people outside Colombia how things change, how things improving. And it more importantly, it shows people inside Colombia that 
things could be could be different. That even like we, the people that were you know direct victims of the conflict, I was you know as 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 you were mentioned, I was kidnapped, but you know, 88 days in 2004 by these guys while doing one of these adventurous expeditions trying to find birds in the Periha Mountains. Uh, we we victims are probably more prone and, and eager and keen on on leaving behind the staff and forgive and, and embrace the new country, the new opportunities. So all in all, it's a great, great piece. Go, Yeah, go to YouTube, everyone, and, and search for bird watching with FARC. And it's a, it's a pretty touching, touching little piece indeed. So you were in the, the Periha Mountains, Serrano de, de Periha, and that for a long time has just been a no-go zone. You know, you yeah. know it was a dangerous area. And it has all these amazing birds, these endemic birds, these localized birds. And I see now that people are starting to visit that their birding tours and birders are at, can actually go to some areas in, in that um, in that range. Exactly, exactly. That's that's the Colombian change. That's a situation that you can see all over the country. That's a, just a, a good example of how things are changing. Uh, an, an area uh, where, you know, you couldn't go 15, 20 years ago now you can actually go because you know all these armed groups have left the areas and they are way way better and the fact that you can go to these areas also symbolizes and, and represents how better the quality of life is for the local campesinos for the local people so per yeah. periha is a perfect example of sure. an area getting developed birding tours going endemics that you couldn't find before are now in the in the you know target list and then the bucket list for for drooling birders so so that's colombia that's <laughs> colombia in general terms that's a new it's a new country every year you know new areas new 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 findings it's pretty exciting actually it's pretty exciting yeah i know it seems to be something that you're especially interested in is is exploring these areas that were for a long time uh, you know unavailable yeah i mean being being a colombian naturalist bird watcher ornithologist biologist is a is a gift if you you know every year have options to reach different areas of the country that you know one day they were non-go because of security uh they are going to be packed with surprises we you know we got 50 60 years of, of internal conflict that meant that a lot of the expeditions exploration research that was made here it was it was relatively localized and, and very domestic and and we didn't have a lot of a lot of going on so uh, even from the domestic side, you know, we couldn't reach areas and we had to deal with all these armed groups in the past to, to go birding. So nowadays it's just it's just candy store. It's just candy store going exploring <laughs> Putumayo. You know, all the borders are super interesting, super interesting. All the borders right. with Ecuador, Panama, Colo uh, yeah, Venezuela. You know what's always surprised me about Colombia when I go there is how many bi biologists there seem to be, like compared <laughs> to other Latin American countries. I just seem to meet like so many biologists and like good birders and 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 people just seem interested in nature it is it is it is an active and and, and pretty busy ornithological community and one of the one of the interesting and unique things of colombia is that all the birding movement that that you know grew up until probably 10ish 80ish years ago was related to academia was related to biology and and you know forestry and environmental engineering mm. Most of the birders were related to research, but we were a ton, you know, and, and actually the Colombian Scientific Academy is, is, is pretty decent and it's pretty robust. It's and strong, yeah, yeah, we have to, mm -hmm. we, we, we've been forced, let's say, to do our own everything, you know, studies of birds here. And, and that also translates into tons of people, an army of people just going to the, to the jungle to sample. Nowadays it's changed a little bit. We are more open. There is participative science. There is people just going for, for the love of, you know, photography or, or just getting out of the pandemic boredom of being, you know, in, in your house. And, and birding is just exploding even more. But it, it, it's, a, it's a strong birding community. And, and there are, yeah, there are birders on every every corner of, of, of the country. That's global big day, you know, this big event every May that yeah. people go counting birds, blah, blah. We, we've been doing it since 2017. And, and of course, we, we record the highest number of species of any country in the planet. That's no surprise. But that's because not only we have the highest number of birds, it's because we have a ton of birders going to tons of corners of the country. We 
and we and we can do it. We have peace. We can, you know, we can reach these isolated yeah. areas. That that is a lovely, powerful combination. Yeah, fantastic. Any any sorry, Ken, have you uh, anything you wanna you wanna add before we get into the stories? No, I just wanted to highlight what you just mentioned, Diego, which is that Colombia has the top bird list of any country in the world. That's it's kind of weirdly counterintuitive to me. I, you know, I think a lot of folks might have thought Peru or brazil but it's really at this crazy brazil, yeah. biogeographic crossroads right yeah yeah that was the secret and was... uh, the two slopes of the andes from the amazon and actually actually six slopes of the andes i guess in colombia right? exactly exactly like the andes come in one chain <laughs> in in peru and in ecuador and there are two Splits. slopes but here they are split in three you have the western central and eastern mountain ranges from the Andes, so you have six slopes with two interandian valleys, the, the Cauca River Valley and the Magdalena River Valley, and there are endemics to each of those areas. And, and that's, you know, that's one of the secrets. It's complex like crazy here. <laughs> right, complex terrain. And it keeps growing. That's, that's, the, that's the coolest part. It keeps growing. Right. You, keep, you keep going to isolated ridges, borderline ridges, you know, different habitats in the middle of the Amazon, and you find new birds for the country from, from the neighboring countries. Uh, we've been we've been describing like one new species for science of birth uh, every two years uh, since 2000. Can I, can, that's kind of the number. That, that's wow. pretty cool. It's it's got to be up there for countries in the world for the number of species that are new species that are described. It's got to be one of the top countries, if not the top country. I guess Peru Peru does well also because you know there's been tons of. Uh, of research also by you know locals and North American universities LSU, especially in the last yeah. years. But uh -huh. Colombia, Colombia is probably behind that, behind that on, on new well. new birds. Uh -huh. wow. Cool. Anyway, should we get into some stories? So we're very keen. I know. Uh, so you've you've given us a couple of outlines of places that you've been that sound very cool. So uh, where where do you want to start? Well, mate, I, I you know actually actually. Pandemic times been been actually a gift also because you know tourism is uh -huh. Uh -huh. tourism has been a little a little slow a little nothing sometimes so yep. we've got we've got more time to do exploration of 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 areas and one <laughs> one cool one we can start with is the Murrucucu Mountains in the Western Andes of Colombia where actually uh, we've been looking for a, That's a great name <laughs> Murrucucu I mean it's, it's a beautiful name you know it's Murrucucu indigenous indigenous, <laughs> indigenous name no no we are not very sure exactly of the of the right uh, uh, meaning of the cacique you know Murrucucu cacique of the Sinu culture but but it's, it sounds cool it sounds nice right. <laughs> it does we actually we actually been been you know being part of a of a group of people that is behind is chasing one of the you know rarest and and lost birds of the world that is the sinu parakeet sinu parakeet is basically a split from the painted parakeet that is a species of uh, colorful crazy beautiful noisy small parrots the that the main distribution is like amazon uh and guyanese amazon uh, but in the in the Andes and and some parts actually even of Central America there are populations of subspecies. There is one in in the Azuero Peninsula in Panama. There is one in the Perija Mountains where 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 I was kidnapped that you mentioned that we share of course with Venezuela. But there is this population in the Western Andes of Colombia in the northern tip of the Western Andes of Colombia, relatively close, let's say, to Panama, where the Sinu parakeet used to live, and this parakeet hadn't been recorded since 1949 so you know it's been wow. it's been quite a few quite a few years since this thing was you know seen shot collected whatever recorded in the area by, by the early explorers so we set up a couple of expeditions last year we went in february with a nice team of 11-ish 12-ish people we went for almost a couple of weeks and uh, it happened that you know I'm friends with the guys from the ornithological society that runs that in that local area. That's Cordoba Department, the Cordoba State in Colombia, north of Antioquia, yeah. actually, where I live. And then the the you know one day just chatting, I said, "Hey, mate, you know I would love to join your expedition whenever you <laughs> got the time and the funds and this thing on the Murrucucu happens." And Hugo, you know, the director of the expedition said like, mate, you, of course, you are always totally invited. And by the way, the, the, the ornithological chaps that I have going, they are quite young, recently graduated undergrad people and, and people that hadn't been birding for, for many years. So if you want to kind of take the reins and do 
the, the kind of the ornithological director job, you're more than welcome. So, you know, I, I, I joined on the chance, of course, and, and we did an amazing team. We had friends that did actually know a lot about also snakes and, and frogs, and we were, you know, herping a lot. And, and we went finally for, you know, almost two weeks to this area. And when you think, I mean, think on the on the Andes, they're, you know, coming from the south, they rich Colombia, they split in three. Now the Western Andes keeps going north, 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 kind of looking towards Panama, almost reaching the Darien, let's say, in Panama. And the Andes gets shorter and shorter and shorter, you know, they diminish in elevation. So what happens is that in these borderline ridges, in the, in the perimeter of the Andes, everything is compressed, like fauna and flora from the lowlands and from the highlands kind of meet. So this is a kind of a plateau just below a thousand mm. meters. And you feel you are almost at 2000 meters elevation with the birds you find there and with the, with the animals and with the, with the, with the plants. And it's one of these places, I guess you, you guys have got experience. Like you go birding somewhere and you think you're lost. Like where the hell I am? Is this lowlands? Is this highlands? <laughs> like, you know, the, the, the signals are not very clear. Yep. So, so this this place, yep. you know, to begin with, is amazingly, you know, enchanting. Let's say biogeographically, and then if you think that no one had gone uh, since 1949, when you know uh, von Schneider and wow. and Edwin Willis and all, all these early explorers that came from abroad to explore Colombia in the mid 50s, you know, until the mid 50s, because after the mid 50s, our exploration was more domestic. All the all these Lasalle priests and all these, you know, brothers of Lasalle were exploring Colombia and then the Colombians. Um, it's a it's an area where you're going to find surprises. So I joined the expedition. I knew that the parakeet was our main target, but I knew that there were going to be a couple of surprises in these mountains. You know, it's it's it was undeniable, of course. And we got to do a lot of community work, get, of course, you know, the locals involved. And eventually, you know, they were happy with the idea of, of going exploring their own territories. They joined the expedition. They were unbelievable naturalists. They, they, they basically did like a previous expedition to the place and got us a huge, big ranch camp in the middle of the jungle where you could hang, I don't know, 25 hammocks. Uh, there was a kitchen. There was a shower. I mean, these guys, these guys really built uh, a, an amazing little city, very comfy up there. And, and, you know, after a couple of days of, of just navigating airports and, and, and roads and motorbikes and, and mules and hiking for probably, you know, almost a full day, uh, uh, you know, 10, 12 hours, of course, you are, you're a birder. You take more time than, than anyone, anyone else to reach <laughs> any place. We are, we are on site and we have, uh, I don't know, the first birds we have were at night, like Choco, Screech Owl and Crested Owl. And they were new birds for the department, for, for the whole state. So, you know, like the very first night we were like, this is going to be interesting as crazy. <laughs> um, we, we roved this terrain amazingly, like for, I don't know if, I don't know, if, for example, if I, if I tell to you, probably Charlie will have more idea, but if I tell you that Rufus Crown and Pita, Rufus Crown, Pita Soma, one of the rarest ant birds mm. of, of the Americas, was like the common bird there in the understory no. around the camp and like really? <laughs> you know that that gives you that gives you an idea wow and then you know we 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 were basically easily every day we were finding a new or two new birds for the for the state one of the one of the cool things and one of the little stories there is uh, one day we were we were separating in two groups sometimes three groups to try to cover more terrain we were going up this super steep hill it's it's all these borderline ridges are all mossy very very wet you have to crawl sometimes and you know your your your, your feet and hands and you we are going up and, and we see this a small flock of birds a mixed flock in the canopy but you know as it's so steep the canopy is just eye level for you and i see this a spotty bird with with a very pointy bill and deja vu it comes to my mind the, the few times that I've seen this bird in the past, uh, there is actually quite a few, but it's a rare bird in Colombia. And it's the sharp bill that is a, is a relative <laughs> of Cotingas and manakins. Mm. And it's kind of a yep. relatively common bird in Central America, Costa Rica, a few places in, in Panama. I've seen it in Guyana, Bolivia. Intervales in Brazil is a, it's kind of a garden bird. But in Colombia, it's only been 
I don't know, five, four or five records of Sharbill in the past is a very enigmatic uh, beast. So, you know, I, I'm able to glimpse Sharbill for probably two seconds in this vlog. None of my mates see it. And of course, you know, mayhem is, you, you know, these moments you say, you know, look, look at that one. Look, no, no, it's the one in the right. And, you know, like that's Sharbill. You have to see it. You have to see it. Like, <laughs> yeah. And uh, you're rushing to the photographers to, to, you know, take whatever evidence. And this bird disappears. It's yeah. gone. And it, it's it's like three, four days on the expedition that we don't see a Sharbill. They they start to mock me and to pull my, my legs a little bit. Like, yeah, you know, Diego was <laughs> stringing the Sharbill, you know, getting his Sharbill again for Colombia. Um, until one day we are in the field, you know, busy. And one of the guys that made the logistics that was helping us, you know, with lunches and bringing messages and whatever, he, he has a camera and he's... He got eager, you know, birding wild expedition. And this guy reached reach the, the, the top ridge with our launches and asked one of our friends, one of our researchers, like, hey, I, I took a photo of this bird. Uh, it was just there sitting and, you know, hanging out. And what, what, is, what is the name? <laughs> and of course, this chap has the most unbelievable Charbil photos, like no two meters away, eye level. So, you know, it was, it was fun. <laughs> it was fun and, and, and showed us how unexplored these mountains are we we got like all the big raptors of the area you know like all the ornate hog eagle black hog eagle black and white hog eagle wow. you know uh, a crested eagle when when you are in a place like that you know that really yeah you know that the habitat is is is, is you know you know it's good, in good condition yeah pristine and yeah. full of food full of full of monkeys poor monkeys mm. dead monkeys you know they're gonna be so <laughs> It was it was great. At the end, you know, spent a couple of weeks up there, made a ton of discoveries. Uh, the breaking news is that we didn't find the parakeet; that it was very much expected from my side. But man, we found 22 species new for the department for Cordova department for Cordova State. So, is a is a is one. So that so that parakeet, you know, considering that the, the habitat is in such good shape you know yeah yeah so that parakeet was collected from that area actually there are there are different type of loca uh, collecting localities for this parakeet and ah, right some uh, of them were in really pristine forest like the one we were in murrukuku mm -hmm. and kimari some of the peaks of these mountains around but some were in flat lowlands a few kilometers north of there where yeah unfortunately today uh, is nothing it's like you know clear pastures for uh, cattle right so actually i'm a little i'm a you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not necessarily super optimistic about the parakeet, but I would say there is way a lot of chances. If you've seen painted parakeets, they don't necessarily need pristine, cool forests. They, they are very flexible. In the right. Periha Mountains, they are in really crappy yeah. areas. In the Amazon, I've seen them in, in logging camps in, in Imataca in Venezuela. And, and in Guyana, they are, you know, all over the place. So they, they, might, they might show up anywhere. And, and um, I have this feeling... Those pirura parakeets as well, they, they, they tend to be quite seasonal as well. They can, they can move altitudinally with the seasons. They and go anywhere. Follow they go the, anywhere. The, you know, the, fruit, the fruitation. So it may be that you go at a different time of year and, yeah. and they'll be there. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the things I, I told to the whole team and the director all the time. Like, like we, we did a nice exercise and we went, you know, on February on, on you know, a little bit uh, at the end of, of some dry season locally there, we know that the parakeets are not there in that month of the year. That, that's what we know. But they could mm -hmm. be on other times of the year. They could right. be a little towards the slopes where more deforestation is and they have more fruiting and feeding options. So, right. so you never know. You never know. It might. At the end, you know, a lot of these discoveries... Yeah, and a lot of these discoveries happen like a campesino or a local bird that just started a month ago <laughs> takes a photo of something and posts it on the internet yeah. and is, is what is this what is this beautiful this? parrot you know <laughs> that's the way you know but it's been fun and, it, and it's been super interesting to find to find a species and you know we we are doing uh soon a second expedition to to a different edge of that same mountain and i tell you that you know everyone should stay tuned because it's more more surprises very interesting surprises <laughs> coming from from that area <laughs> what was the access like there diego like what were you trekking one day two days to get in there or was it drivable it's actually it's actually not the end of the world this is a relatively accessible expedition we 
we flew to Monteria, you know, the capital of Cordoba. Then we drove a couple of hours to a municipality called Tierra Alta. And from there we drove half an hour, then had to take a moto taxis that if you if you are, you know, uh, familiar with this tropical transport, tuk-tuk kind of transportation, you, you take one wheel and you go on a real yep. motorbike in the in the passenger seat with one of these crazy drivers carrying you around for one hour. And then from there, we you, it's probably, I don't remember exactly in kilometers, but you're ascending not a lot. You're ascending from 100, 150 meters to 800, but it's pretty steep. So you do it slowly. Uh, probably if you go without birding, it's only three-ish, four-ish hours, but, you know, birding takes double, triple time. So in general, it's not the most unaccessible site. Uh, but one of the things, Ken, is that uh, historically and socially, it was also unaccessible because that used to be one of the one of the dodgy areas of the country, especially not with guerrillas, but with right wing paramilitaries in the past. And, you know, still once in a while is is like yeah. a, a, an iffy, hairy situation with gotcha. security and stuff like that. It's not it's not one of the areas we, we are going to take, you know, clients and, and gringos birding soon at all. But it, it, <laughs> it's, it's 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 safe enough. It's, it's calm enough in, right. for the Colombian standard to, to start, you know, gossiping on where to go, <laughs> you know, like where, where, where to go and explore. But it's not the most inaccessible place i mean it's not that remote remote after having had that experience of of being uh kidnapped for three months i mean did, did that ever did that cause you to kind of recalibrate and be more careful or more afraid of visiting places where there's any remote chance of that happening or was it maybe the opposite where you're like well <laughs> i lived through it once <laughs> no, no 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 like i i have the i have the free pass already no no that it's not the way it works you know <laughs> uh, but you know to be honest one, one of the right. things that happened is you know, I was kidnapped in 2004, and then I finished my undergrad in 2007 and started immediately to do birding tours. I started my company back in 2007 and never worked on any biology-related things but, you know, birding tourism. So the recalibration that, that, that you mentioned, it's it's been very natural. It's been the way we all, birding guides and companies in Colombia, had been forever and tried to encourage everyone doing it like, don't risk anything. I mean, don't don't go to areas that are not safe for a while. I mean, you, you need a couple of, you know, a, a good couple of years or three years of an area to stabilize, to start trusting that you can go with visitors without any issues, you know. And of course, right. the Colombian community goes birding and exploring all these areas beforehand because, you know, we are probably a little more, how do you call it, daring or not daring, but probably mm. we, we have naturalized a little bit more the situation and have to live with this thing for you know generations so so the recalibration it's yep. it's not on the personal on the personal context getting either more scared or or a little wilder crazier it's more about the business and the industry like okay we're doing tourism we're we are we're the number one country in the world for birds everyone wants to come let's let's skip it you know let's don't screw it up bringing people to dodgy areas to to get in trouble you know is, is natural, I would say. That took quite a while to, to change because like losing that um, image of danger and danger of kidnap and stuff, it takes it wasn't overnight, you know, because when I was in 2006, nobody was nobody was going there. And it just little bit by little bit, you know, more people went, they kind of trickled in. And then, you know, maybe after sort of five years or so, it really picked up. Mm -hmm, but it, mm -hmm. all it takes is one one little mistake or one one bit of bad news to really set it absolutely back a lot. absolutely and that's that's a re mm. it's very easy to lose your goodwill but it's very very hard and it takes yeah. you know tons of time to gain it back again and you know we we, we gotta thank you know be thankful with the with the early let's say visiting pioneers like you you know you you crazy mm. crazy crazy charlie Heza going all over the place <laughs> birding with with you know with, with diego caranton and you know, a, a lot of people that came actually when, when the situation was still not not easy. And one of the things that always amazes to me is that once you kind of create your goodwill, you, you, you kind of break the, the bad reputation and people, and it's also dangerous to think that a country like Colombia is 100% trouble free to go and, and, you know, like you can yeah. go anywhere. And of course you can't go anywhere in Colombia as, 
as you can't go like wherever you want all over the world. There are places where you can get still in almost any yeah, country. any country. You know, you can get yeah. in trouble yep. in different kind of trouble. But is 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 a little interesting how how all these burden and nature, you know, traveling community is a little bit uh, 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 either white or black. Like it's either totally okay to yeah. go or not totally okay to go. You you think on beautiful, amazing countries like Venezuela, no one goes, you know, ages ago, but you still could move around in Venezuela and, and go to cool places that don't have issues. And so it's not, it's not black or white. There's tons of shades of gray there in between, you know? Yeah. Same in places like Mexico, yeah, you enough. know, that, that got terrible mm -hmm. um, reputation um, that and then many people will say, I don't want to mm -hmm. go. But, you know, there's always been safe places to visit there. So, yeah, I think you definitely mustn't see things in a black and white. And that's actually one of the, you know, our last podcast was all about sort of safety and security while while traveling. So, um, yeah. So you, just to you, chip in in the, la the last part there for myself is yeah. local advice and local people. It's always going to be yes. it's always going to be your, your insurance policy, mate. You know, like you, you yeah. I, I wouldn't go to Madagascar yeah, without asking, you know, to Ken or to Mami or to any of the local chaps like if this town is OK, if that road is the better, if these guys are OK with go visiting yeah. their communities, don't 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 go, you know. Solo travelers help a lot, but solo travelers have to be a little bit more illustrated and informed sometimes beforehand, you know, to avoid the screwing up. Sure. Yeah. So um, you, you didn't find the Sino Parakeet, but you have <laughs> added other. Yeah, we failed. Pretty, we uh, failed. Amazing, um, discoveries. <laughs> you well, no, you, 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 you did step one and you didn't find I'll, it, but then you, you can go and look again. But negative I, I data know you have is still had, data. If, uh, yeah. No, it's vital. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. And you're right. You learn, you learn some by not finding it. You've learned. Something. No, I loved. You know, you've learned that it's not. I love. I love to have yeah. failed because I also think if we have found the parakeets, <laughs> we had to spend like way so much time tracking them down, taking notes, seeing what they eat, yeah. recording them, and we probably hadn't uh -huh. recorded 22 new species for the department, but only 15. So you know that that's good <laughs> right. silver lining there. But I know you have found a lot of other cool stuff for Colombia, like new species and, and made some other pretty cool discoveries. Um, I know you were talking about one in, uh, was it in um, in the Baudo Mountains? Yeah. Um, was it that you rediscovered a species? Yeah, that. Or you extended the, the range? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, and, and you, you just said, you just said a, a magical name. You say Baudo, Baudo Mountains, you know, the, the, the Chocó Mountains, yeah. the, the, all the Chocó is this, there, let's start with, there is the biogeographic Chocó, that is all this Pacific belt from the Darien in Panama, let's say, from the almost from the canal zone in Panama, covering all that Darien forest, all our Pacific forest, and reaching into northwestern Ecuador, you know? That's the biogeographical yep. Chocó area that one of the wettest, one of the richest habitats in the world. Um, and then we have a department, a state, uh, that is called Chocó, you know, that, that, that is, a, is a political division called the Chocó. But when you think on the mountains kind of in the, in the border with Panama, they are absolutely unexplored from the, from the Colombian side. A few expeditions were, wow. uh, you know, a couple in the previous century by North Americans, you know, people from the American Museum of Natural History. You can think on Elizabeth Kerr, the, one of the only women coming a hundred years ago to do exploration and to collect specimens on, on, on these, you know, neotropical realms. Actually, Choco Tinamu is called uh, uh, Crypturellus Kerriae, you know, in, in honor to Elizabeth Kerr that, that you know, bears uh -huh. her last name. And this has been, of course, again, in Colombia, one of the areas where, you know, drug smuggling has been, has been one of the common things in the last year. So it's a little dodgy, uh -huh. some areas you, you shouldn't go. Some areas are perfectly beautifully touristic and tourism is, is picking up and, and everyone is going. But then I always wanted to explore more these mountains. I, I did it actually mm. a little bit earlier in the last years from the Panama side. We have we have two mountains that we share, two mountain ranges we share with Panama, Pirre in the in the west towards the Pacific and Takarcuna in the in the east towards the Caribbean. They are packed with endemics, they are they are packed with a special restricted range birds, but very uncharted from the Colombian side, especially, you know, the Panamanian side a little more well known. So the the, the Chocó has this magical 
uh, a little a little witchery, you know, enchanting vibe to it. It's all the black <laughs> communities down there. The music is absolutely yeah. mind blowing, and the people is super nice. Um, and the mountains are. I mean, when you think on Choco, you think on lowlands all the time. That's that's what comes uh-huh. to the mind of the people. But then the Chocó is right. full of mountains, going all the way to, you know, I was I was yesterday with clients, you know, 2,000, 2,500 meters above sea level in the border between Antioch and Chocó, and, and we we're burning in Chocó, but you know, wearing a couple of fleeces and a jacket. So, the the Chocó <laughs> mountains are are one of the things that have called my attention, and I I got you know the opportunity again, you know, pandemic times have been great to have free time. I went to teach a course. Mm-hmm. I've been I've been doing a little bit of a training course on on birding and, and guiding and tourism on on a university here in Medellin, and that you know that little uh, training session became public, and I gave it in several communities around the country. So one of that was in the Jardín Botánico del Pacífico in in Bahia Solano, small town in the in the Pacific coast of of Colombia, and we did you know very nice training. We were birding around. And I, I, I was going to join an expedition by one of the researching institutes that, that there are in Colombia, the Instituto de Investigaciones Ambientales del Pacifico, but this never happened. So I had like a couple of, you know, three weeks before 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 this time came and I said, you know, I should I should just climb up one of these mountains. So this this is cool because in terms of preparation, I was just there in a nice little lodge in the Pacific, training local people on birding and tourism. And then I have free time and, and I didn't have like proper gear or camping gear or anything, but but the mountain was just there. You could see it from the beach, you know, the peak at a thousand meters <laughs> mountain above sea level, beautiful forest wow. and and with the with the with the Colombian vibe that you feel and think no one has been there before, you know, what what birds are up there? Um, So I basically set it up. Uh, I I asked for permission in the army. I I gave them a letter. They have an army base in the top of this mountain, you know, to cover the area. Um, Like, I mean, like very, very much many areas in Colombia where, you know, in the top of the hill, there is an army base. In the old days, they have to protect towers, communication towers, you know, uh, radio stations Uh and things. So I, I... kind of process the permission and this never comes back and it's like two days to 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 go and eventually I get a permission and the permission says I can go up but I cannot reach the military base like from a kilometer around and that's totally pointless because uh-huh. the military base is at the very top where you expect to find the the cool birds so yeah. yeah so I said like oh that's great <laughs> thank you very birds. much but it's not gonna work and then the cool thing is that one of the chaps that works at this little lodge, he's one of the really crazy, strong local chaps that brings cargo and packages and food and, you know, cigarettes and stuff to the army up there when, you know, there are, there are probably supplies go into the army base every month or every month and a half via helicopter. So they run out of cigarettes, they run out of, you know, probably uh, a bottle of rum. And then this chap is the one that goes up and brings everything and so essential surprise yeah yeah, yeah. he's he's and he's unbelievably strong this this chap is called angel and of course you know he's a, he's a good local guy in the lowlands he's a sweet chap and the army loves him up there the soldiers because he basically saves you know their life with with a little supply so i told angel like mate you you're you're the man to go up to mechana like I, I didn't get the permission to go in to the top what what do you think and he said oh they are my friends let's try it you know we just show up and <laughs> <laughs> and they, I mean, they might say, go right. back, you know, sleep in the jungle, <laughs> yeah. go back and die in the jungle, <laughs> or, or they, yeah. they would be friendly. So we went up, this is, this is, this is, I mean, it's not very far away, but it takes, it takes like a, like a full day to reach the area because you have to do seven to eight kilometers totally, you know, from the Pacific shore, totally uh, east in, in flat lowlands, swampy areas, crossing a lot of rivers, several times the Mekana River. Uh-huh. So it takes... It takes time and you're also birding, you know, watching tons of good stuff from the lowlands, you know, black tip cotingas and uh-huh. or night hog eagles. So ooh. Ooh, so you probably you probably spend <laughs> you probably spend a good half a day doing these seven kilometers and then come the next seven kilometers that are gonna bring you from a hundred meters above sea level to a thousand meters above sea level in the wettest jungle in the in the world, you know. Choco has some crazy <laughs> numbers of, you know, 
13, okay. 15,000 millimeters of rain in some areas per year. That is absolutely like mind blowing. You you don't walk there, you don't hike, you, you swim, you know, basically. Yep. So <laughs> we went up, we, we eventually reached the, the military base area. I was I was almost dying, man, like carrying my back. But the, the last kilometer, actually, actually, Angel said, like, mate, you you're struggling with your backpack. We, we're gonna be late. Let me let me give you a hand. And this monster carry two backpacks like nothing, you know, <laughs> mine, mine and his, oh, and, and went up the hill. Uh, and we eventually, and this is this is a little confidential. I hope that you don't have a great big Colombian audience, especially no one from the Colombian army <laughs> listens to this podcast because uh, because we we get there. They were a little busy with with actually a helicopter dropping supplies, uh, and they eventually, you know, the sergeant up there, he he appreciates. Uh, Angel work and Angel help, and he said, "Okay, guys, I'm, I'm not gonna say you have to go sleeping in the jungle for a couple of days, you know, stay around and and just 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 let us know where are you gonna be birding every day and and don't screw it up, you know, uh-huh. don't don't scare us, you know, let us know where you're gonna be." So, uh-huh. man, we reached this place. We had two full days to explore up there, and then you know a fourth day to come down birding also. And we, I mean, I was I was with Angel. That is. Is a is a is a regional local guide for nature in this in this ecology. So he didn't knew you know much about birds and was with Chicho, that is the local chap that is like the guardian of the harpy eagle in the lowlands. He he's the the guy that takes you to see the harpy eagle and the the guy that is you know hired by the property owners to to take care of this nest. Uh, so they they knew a tiny bit of birds, but 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 not much. So I was in this position of teaching them and showing them like, oh, this is rare. This is not from Colombia. This is a yeah. rare bird from the lowlands that is in the highlands. And it was it was a little weird because normally you are with like a counterpart birding chap that, that is also like, hey, listen to this. What is this? And questioning you and, and make you make you feel the discoveries. So first and, and, and you know, first full day, second full day, it was it was it was candy store. We were on a mountain. 160 kilometers south of the border with Panama and and the Pirre mountains that are in the border had several Pirre endemics, you know, Pirre hummingbird, Pirre chlorospingus, very solitaire, stuff like that. And we were men recording those birds one by one, 160 kilometers south, like, you know, like that, just boom, 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 boom. So, so it was. I, I thanked, you know, to the heavens that I had been in Pirre already two times, you know, exploring and doing the expedition, crazy expedition from the Panama side, because I was a little familiar with these voices of these birds and the behaviors. And one of the one of the cool things is that we found Pirre bush tanager or Pirre chlorospingus, a, a you know, tanager type, uh, greeny, boring bird. But this bird was a, a Panama endemic. <laughs> this bird was a Panama endemic because it hadn't been recorded from the from the Colombian side of Pirre. So we we basically stole one endemic to Panama. That I mean, I'm I'm very very ashamed with my Panamanian mates and birders because they don't have a lot <laughs> of endemics. That, <laughs> so point. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I feel a little naughty having done it and and. <laughs> You know, we we have one more bird for the country and several of these Pirre birds uh, recorded 160, 180 kilometers south. Again, it, you know, symbolizes you're you're up there a thousand meters, pristine, beautiful forest. You watch in the ocean. We will we will probably post some of these photos on on your episode, you know, folder on on, uh-huh. on social media, and 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 you're hearing the very solitaire singing, and that represents you know on the romantic exploring Victorian kind of way how unknown is this is this is the side of the country where you live and you love birding you know so it's pretty pretty feeding for the soul of a neotropical bird watcher having having the the opportunities to to go and check on these mountains in a country like this you know so when you went up there were you expecting any of these species or were you just absolutely open minded absolutely absolutely you were well, you were looking for them yeah i mean all, yeah. all my all my tapes on my playlist for that trip were a lot yeah, of the a lot of the pirre birds a lot of the pacific birds yeah. we don't have in colombia like the other pitasoma you know black crown pitasoma i was black crown i yeah. was taping yeah. for that i mean 
is is only known <laughs> is only known in Colombia from specimens from back in the day from 100 150 right. years old. So I was I was blasting this thing. I was like, man, pitasoma, pitasoma. I got the other pitasoma. That is a superb bird, but I was like, oh. The normal pitasoma, the expected one, not the rare one, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, you 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 kind of read the landscape and and think uh, what could be there, you know. You you prepare a little bit for, yeah. And that that's what I love birding in Colombia. Yep. It's uh, the birds allow you to interpret and 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 read the country and and understand it a little bit more than just thinking on roads or department names or you know cultures. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Biogeography. Yeah. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah, yeah. And South American biogeography is the greatest in the world. I mean, a 50 meters elevation difference you can have huge consequences for the the bird and other natural communities. Yeah, right? yeah. Or, or just a little bit of a pooter soil, you know, and then there is a patch with, with, mm-hmm. with a tiny little stunted forest where all the fauna is totally different. It's, it's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. And I guess... It takes you also years of, of roving the, the neotropical mountains and the neotropical valleys and savannas to understand this. It's a, it's a an, an, you know, like infinite source of entertaining for, for a naturalist, these this Latin American jungles, indeed. I'm curious to ask about the military in Colombia in general. I just wonder if, if there's any kind of edge with the military. Like, are they still a little bit on high alert after fighting that war for you know mm-hmm. decades or are they pretty relaxed these days or or does it just vary a lot depending on where you are in the country it varies a lot it varies a lot is is very you know it's very particular uh but in general terms you, you you have to say that you know all the authorities are way more relaxed let's say several areas are are you know reachable etc but also if you think on the deeper implications of having let's say 10,000 around 10,000 ex-far combatants coming out of the jungle it creates opportunities for a lot of other bad guys to colonize those areas and and get uh, in charge and you know uh, profit from illegal mm. business you know well, well basically i mean basically our conflict is is thanks to every coca or heroin consumer in the world that you know creates creates business for this thing that bleeds our country and and you know it's it varies it varies the 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 amount of attention and and you know care that the army pays but one of the one of the things I, I I need to highlight here is that in general, of course, there are corruption everywhere in the world and blah blah blah. But in general, our army and our police, you're you're never gonna be. I've never been particularly myself in situations where they stop you and and they are just looking for a bribe or they are being nasty. You know, like army and, and police checkpoints are always here, like relatively friendly and they. With the, with the tourists, you know, they are happy to see foreigners traveling the country. And, you know, like sometimes the foreigners want to take a picture with the army and stuff like that. I don't I don't I don't particularly do that with my clients. We, I mean, but some clients love no, it. I, I, we actually did that once. The, I was guiding three ladies and all these <laughs> soldiers were coming by and they were you know, there must have been like 20 soldiers with machine guns walking towards us. And we were just walking <laughs> along this road and we were terrified, <laughs> absolutely terrified. But they, they, and we got up there, and they were it just, and they were so friendly. Yeah, and in the end, yeah. we took this big group photo, and yeah, it was, it was kind of nice. It's a, it's a, it's a country where, where the logic and, and when the normal is a little bit different. Sometimes we are traveling, especially in the early days, and, and clients would say in the van, like, "Man, why, why we have passed three or four checking points? Even we weren't stopped, just saw him in the road. Like, why, why we have seen checkpoints by the armies?" Are we getting in a you know dodgy area? And it's absolutely the the opposite. Yeah. It's like army uh, at a point when we kind of regained the control of areas in the country. The army was just there doing nothing in the roads just to make you feel safe. You know, like okay, Colombians, we are yeah. we are back in this area where you can move around. So it, the logic is a little bit different. And yeah, I've seen I've seen your 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 situation of you know foreigners like hey guys and can we can we take a picture sometimes actually once in a while <laughs> one of the soldiers allows someone to to have his hat or his cap and you know it's it's all yeah. friendly <laughs> it's all friendly in general of course yeah. again there are you know bad people anywhere in the world and corruption blah 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 but i've never been on a on a nasty situation i'm not talking about only with tourists but in my life with with the army or with the police in general you you you, you feel okay with them you know you feel safe that doesn't happen in several other Latin American countries, you know? You feel threatened by the local authorities. 
Well, I'm quite curious, Diego, to ask you a little bit about Narcos. I loved uh, I loved that show, and in yeah, a weird way, it made me want to visit Colombia more than ever, and it yeah. gave the country some kind of weird cachet. So I'm curious, like, A, like how accurately does it sort of depict Colombia to you as a Colombian? And then B, what what do you think the effect has been on tourism? Like, okay. has it been good okay. for tourism, that show, or bad, or neutral? Man, it's a, it's a very interesting question, and, and I would say... It doesn't. It doesn't have a real either white or black, you know, kind of touch or answer to it. But one one of the things you have to have in mind when when you watch. I, I, to be honest, I haven't watched the series. I probably watch a few cuts from few episodes. Really? Yeah, I haven't watched the series because I'm I'm probably on the camp of the of the typical Colombian that is a little fed up with with all these narcos. Uh, but 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 you have to have in mind. No no no. Yeah, fair enough. But it's not it's not the end of the story. You have to have in mind that you are first of all you're watching a representation of a reality that was you know long time ago. It's not it's not the Colombia that, that you have nowadays. It's like historical, yeah, it's yeah. historical and it's you know is is I I do the comparison to people like thinking that you you you, you Colombia is the narcos thing you see on the series on the TV is like thinking Vietnam nowadays is a crazy playground for the states to drop bombs and things like that you know it's not the case <laughs> you, you you have to you have to enlighten a little bit more your your story with you know a few a few facts and then one of the one of the things that is created for tourism is of course it's boosted a little bit of tourism people in general is we we okay. we are we are we are a little we are a little obscene you know anal sometimes lookers for for gossip or or particular you know sides of a story of in this case of a country and that's and that's of course that I'm not gonna say beautiful but it's a it's a it's a fascinating really crazy time of our history it was very tough I I remember my family like I was I, I wasn't born in 1980 so. 1989, 1990, when Medellin was being bombed every week because the narcos were fighting between themselves, you know, between each other. Like the guys yeah. from Cali bombing Pablo Escobar properties in Medellin and Pablo Escobar bombing the Gallicais properties in, in Cali. Uh, that, 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 that was the craziest time. Like no one was, the people was getting out of work and just running away in a bus to their home to, to shelter because there might be another car bomb, you know. It was, it was, a frantic, crazy side of the story of Colombia, time of the story of Colombia. A lot of people left the country. So it's, it's, it's a little hairy when you touch that with, with we Colombians. But on the other side, I guess I guess it's natural. I guess it's natural and it takes time nowadays. A lot of people come to Medellin, you know, the city where I live, you know, nearby. And that was that was Pablo Escobar, you know, uh, area. And, and a lot of people have come to Medellin and they do take this cheap, uninformed, really sensationalist, let's say, like yellow press tours of, of, of the narco history of the city. And they, they probably get what they want in terms of the narcos series. Nowadays, uh, there, there are some people offering a more educated and, and, and a little, right. I don't know, a little, let's, let's see the history Let's see what happened and let's reflect on how it's changed. And there is a new tour by friends that is called, you know, the name of the tour is Pablo Who, you know, like really teaching you like, Pablo yeah, <laughs> like Pablo Who, you know, like is this, let's, let's bring these guys a little bit from the Robin Hood, you know, hero uh, feeling that they have because of the series to the real life. And if you capitalize everything in life, I mean, you have to capitalize the Narcos, the Narcos series, even... I haven't watched it and I, I feel I would not like it. I remember that the little pieces I, I watch that that was probably yeah, the, the, the Medellin and the and the Colombia of the eighties and these these guys just having crazy power in politics and, and in drug dealing. You, you know what I love about it? I mean Wow, the birds. You know it, <laughs> the bird it, songs. No, well, no, the uh <laughs> the the way the way that people talk, the accents yeah, but then, um, but then you have you have you know you have all these paisa, all these paisa accents from Antioquia, and the yeah. the main character is not yeah. is not even Colombian. I mean, it's a little and he wasn't even. It's Colombian, a little disappointing, yeah. I guess, but, for us. Um, I guess for <laughs> Colombians, I mean, I think I think non you know outsiders or certainly non Spanish speakers wouldn't find it. But I mean, I just love the way that people speak in Antioquia. The the paisas, <laughs> I think it's such a a musical and just oh. funny, and it's just wonderful to listen to. 
and and also all the very colorful language all the swearing in it was just i i just found it hilarious it, it just really uh it was just wonderful to listen to the way that people were speaking in it. So that was one thing that I really loved about it. Oh, you have to, yeah, you have to find the silver linings. And, and as I said, the more yeah. the more important, profound silver linings is that at least people nowadays is thinking, you know, like, I don't know, Germany has very, very important and profound uh, monuments and, and reminiscence to the Holocaust, you know. And nowadays we, we, yes. we really have yeah. to migrate to having important and profound and powerful, you know, historical things to all these narco crazy days we had and not only the the cheap, yeah. you know, Pablo Escobar crazy tours getting drunk and, and probably getting drugs and I don't know what else. But <laughs> yeah, you have to you have to capitalize everything and I guess you have to welcome any of these things. But you know, probably probably also you you guys also got me into listening to some podcasts like a year ago. You're you're probably going to get me into watching a couple of these episodes of, of the series. <laughs> <laughs> Diego, it's been an absolutely fascinating discussion. It's been amazing to hear some of your stories. I feel like we're only scratching the surface again. I think that you've got a lot more interesting things to tell us, so we'd love to have you back another time. But I think we'll oh, yeah. uh, we'll absolutely. call it a day. I think for our natural sound, we always end on a natural sound. And one of the birds you mentioned this podcast was this bird that's very rare elsewhere, very difficult to see, this rufous-crowned antpitter that you said was very common. A good one, in, a um, good one, lovely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that would be a cool one. I think we'll finish with that and we'll imagine you guys in the in the forest making all those discoveries. So uh, yeah, please do come back. Um, you can check out, um, we're going to put some links on our podcast description of the Nat Geo short film that so people can just click on the link on that and watch it and also your instagram and facebook things so people can follow you on social media as well um any other shout outs you want to make any people oh, you want to say hi mom uh, or, man uh, yeah hi hi. thanks thanks to my trainer and blah blah, blah. no it's been it's been great guys it's yeah, been yeah. great i enjoyed it so much uh, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. All my fans. it's been a long time waiting I, eh? yeah and you know again i i weirdly especially with the internet times, but, you know, I, I, I've always been a follower of your trips, of your adventures. Ken, Ken every time gets me drooling to go back to Madagascar with his photos and exploration of, <laughs> of national parks. I have a, I have a city name in my, in my name there, you know, Diego, and I, I've never been to Diego. So uh, there you are. That's where, that's there where you lives, are. Yeah. I need to take a flight to Diego, you know. <laughs> uh, so it's been great. It's been great to chat with you guys. Thank you very much for the, for the invitation. And indeed, let's, let's do it again. There is, there is more, you know, new species, neomorphous ground cuckoos, a lot of exploration oh, going on in Colombia that we, you know, we can <laughs> we can enjoy and chat about. It's, it's been a pleasure, guys. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for coming um, Diego. on. Diego. Yep. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Thanks everyone for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Cool. Ciao. Ciao.
580 metros sobre el nivel del mar vocalizaciones en respuestas a playback de Pitasoma rofopileatum eh, primero hizo dos primero hizo dos veces el llamado cha, 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 y ahora viene el canto cerca eh, estamos a 580 metros abajo del campamento de Vieira y arriba del filo de la Y del almorzadero eh, vocalizaciones en respuestas a playback yo creo que es la primer, el primer registro confirmado de Pitasoma en esta zona de Bahía Solano, después de muchos años después de un registro de Ben Freeman abajo en Utería, que me parece la verdad un poco bajo